Welcome to The Word from Bethlehem Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Abigail Zhang Hoffman. And I'm Pastor Amy Walter-Peterson. Thanks for dwelling in The Word with us today. Welcome to this episode of Living the Word with. Our special guest today is Ryan Gantner, a member of the Bethlehem community, and um, we're super excited to talk with you, Ryan. So we're going to start right with you. Tell us about yourself. Um, who are you? Uh, kind of who is part of your household and your life, and uh, and and just what what is what's fun about who Ryan Gantner is? Well, well, well thanks. I. Uh... So, uh, Ryan, I moved uh, to uh, to Fairport in uh, 2006 with my wife, Sarah, and uh, have been uh, a member of Bethlehem pretty much ever since then. Uh, and we've had two kids in the meantime. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we, and I am a math professor at St. John Fisher College. Uh, which has uh, definite advantages and disadvantages. And one of the advantages is that I get to have some free time during the summer. And one of the disadvantages is I don't get to have free time any other time of the year. (laughs) (laughs) And another advantage is that you live in upstate New York where summers are beautiful. So if you have to have free time at a particular time of year, it's well suited. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, um, what connected you to Bethlehem in the first place? Have you, when you came here in 2006, was there a particular connection or how did you, how did you get connected to Bethlehem? Um, I can't say that there is anything special. I think, uh, we had uh, attended a few, uh, Lutheran churches in the, uh, Twin Cities area where we had lived before, where I had, uh, done my graduate schooling and uh and so then we kind of uh looked at for a few churches out here and uh pastor uh garner was the was the pastor at the time and and it, it seemed like a inviting sort of place and we just never we just stayed yeah and we are grateful great. for it yeah. indeed indeed so what we really were super intrigued by, we both saw posts on Facebook earlier this summer about um, your amazing bike trip that you just took. And so we just want to hear about that. Where did you go? What, tell us, I mean, what was, where did you, what did you do as part of your bike trip? All right. So um, I, so this summer I rode a bicycle from Bozeman, Montana, to I'll call it St. Paul, Minnesota. It was a, a suburb of St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, over the course of ten days, um, carrying that is a lot of riding. It is a lot of lot of riding. <laughs> um, it was it's a long ways, and I have to say there were definitely some times when I I didn't think I was going to make it the whole way, mm. but. Uh, you know, it just persistence and uh, a stiff tailwind at strategic times sort of uh, helped me along the way. So have how, you ever what done anything that... like this before? Like, yes. have you ever gone that long or? Not that long, but reasonably close. Um, so last year 
I had ridden from Seattle, Washington to Bozeman, Montana. And so I'm actually just picking up where I left off last year. Oh, I missed um, that last year. Now, yeah. And to tell you the truth, last year's trip was way more scenic. They were going through the mountains over the Continental Divide <laughs> um, on some really rough uh, trails and everything. This year's trip going through eastern Montana and the Dakotas was scenic in its own way, but also very flat <laughs> um, and uh, a lot of a lot of farm fields and, and ranches. I have a good friend. Um, I have good friends who are from the Dakotas who are from North Dakota, and they have a poster in their home that has a picture of a ramrod straight road in North Dakota and sky as far as you can see. And the poster says, life in the vast lane. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, that is, I I understand that that is what you were in the midst of that sort of vastness of the creation. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very, I don't know the the right word for it, but if you you come over a hill and you can see in front of you and recognizing that you know that's like five miles from here where yeah, where the horizon line is, and it's going to take me quite a while to get to that spot that I can see right now, yeah. especially with all the camping gear I've got on the back of my bike right now. So you carried everything with you too. Yes, you didn't I, have a support vehicle or anything. I did not have a support vehicle. No, it was just me. Um, and I had uh, the world's tiniest tent. I had <laughs> a sleeping bag and a ground pad. And I had uh, a, some extra clothes. I had a little bit of food with me at all times um, and some stuff to fix uh, flat tire or mechanical issues, um, an extra pair of shoes. I, I had sort of the clip-in bike shoes, but I also had some tennis shoes too for some spots that are rougher and I didn't want to clip in. So I had a lot I, of stuff. It, but my my brain is just thinking, I mean, you're going through the vastness that is the Dakotas and all of that. I mean, there can't be like restaurants on every corner. I mean, you really would have had to plan out even your stops. Where are you going to sleep at night? I mean, where are you going to eat? Because um, you're not carrying food for 10 days on the back of your bike either, no, I'm assuming. No, but I was covering more than 100 miles a day. And so it's not that I was, um, there are restaurants in every corner, but certainly I will pass through towns at some point. And even if it's just- <laughs> Maybe a only gap, one a day, I would think. I mean, there, was, there, was, one, there was one day where it was just one, yes. Yeah, um, but, yeah. Um, but even if it's just a gas station, uh, there's usually, you know, enough food for me to, to kind of tank up at that, at that point. Um, but I didn't have too much trouble. Other than that one day, I was, uh, it was, that was a little rough. But, you know, I didn't really have that much trouble. The problem was you had to eat when the opportunity presented itself, not necessarily right. when you would have preferred to eat. <laughs> Yeah. Did you map this out? I mean, like, did you know where you were going to stop and did you know where there was food and that sort of thing? Yes. I spend a lot of time planning the route. In fact, that is perhaps, um, people ask me about, uh, I'll say safety. Um, that's actually the thing I tell people is the biggest, uh, thing you can do for safety is to plan your route 
well in advance is to not put yourself in unsafe situations uh, and to know the roads that you're going on. And so, yes, I did a lot of planning. Well, let's see what this road looks like. And then this road's got a pretty big shoulder and, and uh, how far is it between this water source and that water source and, and these food and everything. Wow. What, what prompted, what prompted this trip to begin a year ago? So if that was phase one, this was phase two, um, what prompted you to undertake this journey? Well, you know, so this wasn't just an all of a sudden thing. I've been doing things like this kind of gradually building up to it, I guess, for years. Um, I think it was probably uh, 10 years ago. Now I had hopped the train to Cleveland with my bike and then rode back over the course of two days. And that was the first time I did the kind of an overnight trip. But since then I've done, I've done different trips in this area, nothing that large, but uh, you know, I've, I've, I've gone to Connecticut and I've gone to Virginia and, and Maryland and Pennsylvania a few times. And uh, it's the, the appeal of being isolated a little bit like really Mm. by myself like I'm in charge of everything um is appealing and also kind of the allure of of getting rid of all of the other stuff that's going on in my life Mm -hmm. and and thinking what do I have to do today what I have to do is I have to get on my bike and pedal and that's it (laughs) You know, and there is, there is nothing else on my list of things to do at all. And I, and I know that, and it's just really kind of clears your head, I think, to have these days where there's, there's nothing else to worry about. So it sounds like it's a real um, sort of, sorry, it sounds like it's just a real, uh, it's a real exercise of, of clarity of, of just really being really clearly focused on one thing. Mm Yeah. One of the questions we, we like to ask is something about, um, kind of what keeps you grounded, um, in your faith. And, and part of what I'm hearing is that this is actually a spiritual discipline, this kind of getting rid of all of the other stuff that clutters your mind or maybe your life, um, for whatever time frame you're traveling is, is a spiritual exercise. Yeah. I mean, it, it certainly is cathartic in, in that particular way. Um, and, and then I, you know, when I come back, I feel like I can be better at doing the things that I was getting tired of doing <laughs> before I left, you know, oh. because it's another because- take on Sabbath. I mean, we talked a lot about Sabbath rest, um, kind of the spring, um, but that's another take of Sabbath is, is taking a break from, and, you know, if you're on your bike, there's a whole lot of other things you can't be doing. That's right. I'm, you know, that the connections to media and other things, it's, you know, I bring a phone along, but it's off, like physically turned off most of the time because I'm not plugging it in very often. It's got to last several days on a single charge. And so I'm not checking email or doing any of that stuff. Does that make wow. your loved ones nervous? Um, probably. <laughs> but they don't, they don't, uh, they don't seem to uh, let that get in the way of me doing it anyway. Wow. That's really, that's really amazing. That's really amazing. Yeah. Um, how do you, I mean, what are, 
you've talked a little bit about, you know, the challenge of mapping out a route, making sure you, you know, are planning for water and food and, you know, things like that, where you're going to stop, how far you're going to go each day. Um, what are the other just things that you have to take into consideration as you're planning, you know, a trip of this magnitude? Well, I feel like there's always a plan and a backup plan of some sort, um, mm -hmm. you know, and so I was going one day I was coming in uh, and I was going to cross, uh, I was coming to Mobridge, South Dakota, which is in North Central South Dakota. It's on the Missouri River. Um, and it's one of the only places, there really aren't very many bridges over the Missouri River. It, it, between North of there, the next place you can cross is Bismarck, North Dakota, and that's hundreds of miles away. And I was coming into South Dakota and that day, the it was very windy and the wind wasn't exactly at my back at least most of the day. it was kind of cross it was raining and a little bit at first and then a lot at the end um, my leg was bothering me and i was just not really in a in a good place mentally and my stomach was bothering me and it was memorial day and so a lot of the places that i had sort of thought I might stop weren't just plain not open that day yeah. um, and so um, I was really concerned about whether I could actually keep going mm -hmm. um, and so in terms of your question it was okay what am I going to do now like if I can't keep going um, and so you, you develop the plan well if I can't really keep going here I could take it's only 100 miles to Aberdeen I could I could take it leisurely and take three days to go there and catch a Greyhound bus to get back to where my car is parked in St. Paul. Um, I, I, I could have done that. And there's always that sort of thinking about what's what would happen if this happened. It never came to that, but um, but having plans, having backup plans, having knowing where the possible detours are, I guess. I don't know if that's a great answer, but yeah, Which actually really it talks actually a lot about how much headspace this journey took up for you. I mean, it keeps you uber focused on the basics. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't even thought about rain because clearly I haven't given any thought to what one would need to do to ride a bike hundreds of miles across part of the United States. Um, but I mean, yeah, like you said, rain and weather that could wash out part of your route or or construction that's not listed on the map or or something like that. Um, so I would imagine that actually does take up a lot of headspace yeah. to be anticipating these scenarios. And <laughs> yeah, there was one time I was on a side road and I got to a place where the side road was supposed was crossed a railroad track, but there was a train parked there and <laughs> I'm waiting for, you know, I waited for about 10 minutes and this train isn't moving and I'm like, okay. And trains are long. Now, they're long and I don't know when this train is going to move. You know, it clearly right. the side road I was on was one that doesn't get traveled on very often. It didn't make it a point to not stop over the road. <laughs> um, and for a car to go around it, I'm sure it wasn't that big of a deal. But now what kind of route am I going to have to take to get around this thing? Um, but, you know, I sort of concocted a way that involved going on a bridge that I didn't really want to bike on and then uh and then kind of cutting over some uh cutting over some grassy area to get back to that side road <laughs> wow 
it's just so many, so many things to think about. I'm sure on a daily basis, it's really, it's so fascinating to hear about this. Um, did you see anyone else on your trip? I mean, it sounds like it was just you and your tent every night. Um, so it wasn't like meeting up with people or I know somebody in this town or it was just you. Yeah, it was just me. I, I, um, I parked my car in St. Paul at a friend's house. And so Mm -hmm. I spent the night there before going to Bozeman and biking back. And I spent the night there at the end. I rented a car and drove there. Ah, so you did a one-way car rental, drove there and then dropped the rental and rode the bike. And rode the bike back. And so I saw, I saw a friend at the beginning and the end. Yeah. um, And ran into some people along the way that I didn't know and struck up conversation. Mm -hmm. But there's also a lot of kind of in the middle of nowhere between Montana and uh, Minnesota. Right. I'm not imagining you're running in into a of lot of people, you know, <laughs> a long yeah. way. Wow. Yeah. So is there a, is there a plan at least uh, beginning to form about, uh, about next summer? Um, no, not necessarily. I don't, so I don't know that I, am super excited at this point. Now ask me again in a few months, but I'm not sure I'm super excited at this point about doing full gear, hundred mile days in succession again. Like that was a lot. <laughs> and I was aided by some very windy days on the second half of my trip that had wind at my back. Yeah. Um, and if there was headwind that I'm not sure how I would have done. Um, so I think having full gear, but only a few days would be fine or cutting it down to 50 mile days instead of hundred mile days. And then taking some time to tour around a little bit and visit different places, yeah. but there's not a lot of places to visit out where I was this time. Yeah. yeah I was really thinking when you going there, when you said Seattle to Bozeman and then Bozeman to uh, Minnesota, I was thinking, well, maybe he's going to make his way from Minnesota to the East coast next yeah, there, you know, it, that would sort of be the case, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I've already biked a lot of that to tell you the truth. I've, sure. I've gone between Ann Arbor, Michigan and here, um, and from Minneapolis to various places in Wisconsin. So, the, you know, it's just Wisconsin to Michigan is all I really need to complete. I don't know yeah. that it's going to happen, but maybe. Yeah. Ah, well, that's, that's amazing. It's fun. It's just, it's really fascinating to hear about this journey, um, and, and just what has, you know, what kind of prompts you to do that. And as, as pastor Hoffman said, kind of the, really the spiritual and the clarifying nature of, of what you have undertaken. Um, and I am sure that you will find other ways to kind of do that, even if it's not a trip of this magnitude again, but that's, it sounds like that's really what drives it. And, and if that's the case, there's always ways to find opportunities to do that. Yeah. Agreed. So we're going to, um, we're going to end our, well, I'm going to say before I ask this, these last questions, I'm just going to say, is there anything that we haven't asked you about that? Like, you're like, oh, people need to know about this. Um, I don't think so. All right. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure we weren't missing like the, the most obvious question that a person would ask. I, I actually have one more question, which is, what does your life look like the rest of the year? I mean, one does not wake up one morning in May and decide to ride a hundred miles. So, I mean, there must have been some sort of training. I mean, we talked a lot about the other preparations, but 
there must have been some sort of training or some sort of regular part of this biking in your life, kind of the other 11 months out of the year. So I'm done with exercise now for the rest of the year. <laughs> uh, I mean, I would be. Yeah, but... <laughs> I'm, I'm, unfortunately, I'm probably only half kidding. But um, yeah. uh, I, you know, I had this as a goal. And so, you know, beginning around New Year's time, I try to make it a point to get on a bicycle as much as I could, even if it was just the stationary bike in the basement. Um, and even if it was not for for super long. But I can't say that this year I really did a lot of long rides. I bet I only, I bet 30 miles was the longest ride I had done wow. all year prior to this or even since then, to tell you the truth. So, so this was, I mean, this was stepping out in faith that your body was going to cooperate for 10 days of hundred mile days. Yeah. Well, I also didn't have a time deadline either. If it needed okay. to take 15 days, it would have taken 15 days. And, and okay. so um, it was just, it was just, let's go. And if I make it, that's great. If it takes a little long time, that's great. If I, uh, if I have to, uh, make a detour and I go to Bismarck and rent a car from there to drive back, that's fine too. It, it, there was, there was kind of low, low pressure. Yeah. So it's having a plan, creating a plan, being really strategic about your plan and then holding the plan really, really loosely, mm-hmm. which honestly is what we have been doing at Bethlehem for the last two years. And so that's actually really, that I really can relate to. Yeah. 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 So we usually end um, these interviews by asking what we call a fun five question. And our, um, our idea is just to, just to get to know you a little bit better. And um, our hope is that you just kind of respond with the first thing that pops into your mind when we ask the question. All right. Okay. Coffee or tea? tea what's your preferred ice cream flavor um lately i've been we were just talking about this today there's this as a coconut almond crunch or something like that um that was um that that's recently been my favorite i might be naming that wrong it sounds delicious but it involves coconut and coconut and almonds and and yeah something else that sounds (laughs) delicious other than worship, uh, I think I know the answer to this, but other than worship, what is a certain way that you connect to God? Uh, yeah, I think, I think I can dovetail on the rest of this conversation and say, uh, not only just riding the bike, but kind of doing it in a way that's not just going out for five miles uh, for exercise a day, but, but really making a whole journey out of it. Yeah, yeah, wow. Um, what is one resource that you rely on that helps you remain grounded in your faith? Um, probably other people, um, you know, family, friends, Mm -hmm. uh, broadly defined. Yeah. Yeah. Final question. Christmas or Easter? You know, I'm going to have to say Christmas, though, when certainly uh, if you had asked me this 20 years ago, I would have said Easter's. I was always enjoyed Easter as a kid and my birthday is sort of kind of near Easter. And it, it was always the 
we had a big family. And so uh, Christmas was always at grandma and grandpa's house and Thanksgiving was always over here. But Easter was the one where people came to our house. And that was mm, kind yeah. of the, the, the special thing. But yeah. I, I, it seems like uh, it, that ha- I've lost that sort of connection, I guess, with Easter. Yeah. So I answered both, I guess. <laughs> That's all right. You and everyone else who has been asked that question. I think it's the impossible question to answer. Ryan, thank you so much for your time and for sharing this experience. This has just been an amazing conversation, and I can't wait to share it more widely with the Bethlehem community. So um, thanks for your willingness to just share this experience. It's really, it's been eye-opening for me. Well, thank you. Thanks for living the word with us today. Don't miss an episode. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have someone you'd like us to interview, please be sure to email us at theword at blcfairport.org. If you'd like to support Bethlehem Lutheran Church and the ministry we share, including this podcast, please visit our website at www.blcfairport.org.